0: It is a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. And if you haven't listened to us before or you've just plumb forgot, uh, each week we will read a different book. Uh, one of us, myself or Andrew, will have read a new book, sometimes from our shelves, sometimes uh, just from books that we know someone told us a long, long ago that we should read or whatever. Um, and then we share it on the podcast and share it with each other and share it with you. And that's how it goes. What did you read this week, Andrew?
1: Okay, this week I read The Metamorphosis by Franz Kafka.
0: Ooh. Yeah. I think I, I put that in the pile of books that I was supposed to read in high school but didn't.
1: See, I never I never really was exposed to this at all. I, w- I wasn't even supposed to read it and missed it. I think I read a webcomic that like <laughs> played on it. And I was like, what is this? Why is this guy's a bug? Like, what?
0: Well, yeah, and you you hear you hear Kafka get tossed around whenever anything absurd happens.
1: It's very Kafkaesque.
0: Oh, and we'll I get... expect
1: this show will be Kafkaesque as well.
0: Oh, well, I think I think <laughs> some of our episodes have been Kafkaesque already, um, but maybe so that we have an idea. Why did you read this book at all? Why did that happen?
1: Because I was I was interested. I wanted to know why he was a bug and what the deal was.
0: Okay, so you just been
1: yeah, like I I saw that like it happened in. Usually we we pick a book that we've had around for a while and that we've been meaning to yeah to read for a while. But I saw like a month ago, I saw a web comic and I was like, "What is this book about?" I haven't read any Kafka. I should do that.
0: <laughs> okay, and so
1: I went. I got like the ninety nine cent Kindle single, and Ooh. here we are. And All it's right, only, like it's only. Well, I mean, Kindle. Tells things in in terms of locations rather than page numbers, but it's not very it's not a very long story.
0: So. Yeah, Wikipedia tells me that this book is <laughs> is forty two pages long though. We've exhaustively researched. I wonder, but if you use like giant pages, how what if it were just five pages long? But it what were if like
1: if it were the illustrated Kafka, how many pages is it that?
0: <laughs> well, I don't, I'm just picturing giant pages like giant novelty checks that have. The metamorphosis on them be like five of those probably um but enough about novelty checks what is this book about andrew
1: okay this book and past podcasts i think we've gotten a little too bogged down in summary but i don't i don't think this is going to be a problem for this because the whole story is basically summed up by the opening sentence and i will read that sentence now one morning, when Gregor Samsa woke up from troubled dreams, he found himself transformed in his bed into a horrible
0: vermin. Wait, isn't that the end of the book? Bu- <laughs> <Wait. laughs>
1: no, that's not the end. That's the okay. first sentence.
0: Okay, so dude turns into a bug. Gregor. One Samza. day,
1: a guy woke up and he was a bug.
0: What evidence do we have that he was a guy in the first place?
1: He had a job and he has a family, and um, and they're
0: not bugs.
1: No, they're not bugs. They're still people. Um, and he was like the sole breadwinner for this family. Okay. And so the story opens with him being a bug and him just like trying to get out of bed and get to work because he's missed the train. But since he's a bug, he doesn't know how his body moves and he like oh, no. can't get up. And so when he's when he's like three hours late for work, his boss personally comes by his house to see what the deal is because...
0: Okay, <laughs> is that how things went in early twentieth century Germany? Is I that what assume that was? so.
1: Like productivity was very important. Okay, but um, and his boss sees that his boss and his family see that he's a horrible bug, and runs away. And,
0: how big is he?
1: Um, see the one the book is not really too terribly specific about like how. Big he is. I mean, he's he's a large bug. I mean, he's he's not a bug-sized <laughs>
0: bug. Does it say what type of bug? I think the the image that we see a lot uh, is like a cockroach.
1: Right. And there's an old lady who calls him like a dung beetle, though there are translation issues that okay. stem from that. But it's... No, Kafka's never specific about exactly how big he is. I think it's safe to assume that he is roughly people-sized. Okay. Or maybe like half people-sized. Does I don't he know.
0: attempt to put on clothes? No. Okay. Because he probably he can't even, like, work the clothes because he doesn't have no, fingers. No,
1: because he's, he's a bug. But the, the whole rest of the story after that opening scene where everyone discovers that he's a bug is he hides in his room because he's a bug. And okay. his sister brings him food. And, like, over the course of the story, like, his... You know, he was the primary, you know, the primary breadwinner for him and his father and his sister. And, um... So he can't work anymore. And so the whole story is like him being a bug while his family is kind of simultaneously horrified by him being a bug slash trying to bring in money so they can still live comfortably or like live at all. Like they all all have to get jobs so that they can scrape by now that their primary source of income has gone away. And who is taking care of him? um his sister brings him food at at first one of the things that is happening to him all through the book is like he's slowly deteriorating like he slowly eats less and less mm. um like there are a couple of encounters where like his dad throws an apple at him at one point and it gets like lodged in his back and so he's like kind of partly paralyzed
0: ah yeah um, Who knew that bugs were vulnerable to apples? Well, <laughs> I just, I, I've, there were I've seen cockroaches in the city. Maybe I'd just throw apples at them. And just carry around a bag of apples. And take yeah, care of business. Yeah, I mean it business. seems like good
1: good bug defense. Okay, but um I guess the primary point is that. His family is stuck in the house that they don't, you know, it's too big for them. It's too expensive for them and they can't really afford it. They're getting really worn down, like trying to bring in enough money. Mm -hmm. But they're kind of trapped there by by Gregor because they can't like move him and they don't want other people to see him. Like they even they even bring in other people till they like rent out rooms. And they're like terrified that they're going to see, you know, Gregor. The Don't go in our bug bug.
0: closet where we keep Bug Dad. Like, don't go in there. (laughs)
1: It's not – he's he's the the oldest son. Oh, so okay. So it's his his dad, his mom, his oh, sister, oh, and him.
0: I totally forgot that. I forgot that it was a father-son thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Cause, and that's a theme in Kafka. Like, I haven't read a lot of it, but he had a bad relationship with his father, and a lot of that comes out because his father is consistently the one who's the worst to him. Like, his sister starts out being sympathetic, and slowly over time – comes to resent having to take care of him and being trapped by him. Um, his mother is repulsed by him, but really wants to care for him. Like, she really wants to make sure that he's taken care of, but anytime that she actually sees him, she, like, gets hysteric and faints.
0: Mm. Can they talk to him?
1: Um, he can understand them, but he cannot
0: talk anymore. So does is he able to communicate anything to them? Like, do they explore that at all?
1: Uh, Communication is a big is a big problem for him because he tries through his actions, I think, to demonstrate that he like he is Gregor and he doesn't mean anybody any harm. But, I mean, he's so gross looking and they're so (laughs) repulsed by him that it doesn't really matter. And like nobody else, you know, nobody outside the family is going to understand. And so the end of the story basically is Gregor dies like the the sister is like, oh, he's such a terrible bug, and we're so trapped by him. Uh, if only he could understand us, so he understand, so he would know like what a burden he is to us. Oh God! And so he crawls oh. away and dies. Oh and God! And then the whole family goes out, and the the book ends with the mother and father being like, our daughter's turned into a lovely young lady. We should try what? and find her a wife.
0: What? Oh, and find her a end. wife, a husband? Yeah, husband. Yeah, sorry, no. <laughs> It took a weird turn at the end there.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, she's actually a lesbian.
0: Okay, no, not really. Um,
1: but yeah, like he he dies, and it's a huge relief, and everything is fine because he's dead now.
0: Is there any indication that there's a little bit of irony to that end? That like, is there is there a sensation that they're not gonna be okay, or is it like no? It's all it's all. Coming up roses for the Samsas now that bug, dad, bug son is gone.
1: No, he's... Yeah, it's... it's They're fine now. Like, Weird. He, their problems are gone now that their Bug son is dead. And it's not that he was a bad son or anything like that. There are some undertones that kind of imply that the father is... Like, he used to have a business that failed. And so there's a little bit there that suggests maybe that the father resented the son in the first place.
0: And maybe it failed because he was... Trying to take care, like, after he became a father, it failed? Or?
1: Well, no, know? like, it, uh, maybe five years before the action of the story, his business okay. failed. And so part of the reason Gregor has this job that he kind of hates is that he's trying to work his father's, like, debt off.
0: Okay. So but, um, before we get into, into thematic concerns, I have a few structural questions, which I think are, are interesting. Okay. Do we ever get flashbacks to before he was a bug?
1: Sometimes. and it's And his relationship with each of his family members is kind of interesting. Like the dad, there's that subtext where the dad maybe feels like emasculated by his son being the breadwinner. Cool. Which goes goes to Kafka's like dad issues, yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, um the the relationship with the mother is that you know she wants to be motherly and caring toward him, but she's repulsed by him being a giant bug, and then the relationship with the sister, like he really wanted to take care of his sister, like he was working to earn enough money to send her to like a conservatory school, mm-hmm. and he oh, was gonna man. you know he was gonna tell her at Christmas that he worked up enough money. And they had had, like, a really close, loving relationship. And at the beginning, you can kind of see that because she tries to reach out to him and tries to feed him. But over time, she becomes resentful of how he's kind of trapped their family in in the bad situation that they're in.
0: So is she the one who maybe changes the most in her opinion toward him? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, Uh you know,
1: I think knowing that she ultimately wants him To leave them alone is like the turning point. Like that's when he goes and crawls off to die. Is when she expresses that.
0: And do we ever do we see things from other people's perspective? Is it like a close third person voice? How's that handled?
1: Um, the narrator is omniscient. Like you're in Gregor's head most of the time, out of necessity. But it, it, you know, he does. He does jump occasionally. Like but but the vast majority of the book is from Gregor's, you know, perspective.
0: Yeah, cuz you, you were saying that they keep him trapped in the room, but like other people are coming into the house. Is he kind of hearing them tell him that or are we seeing those scenes happen?
1: Yeah, like they don't directly talk to him, but he like hears things through the doors and oh, okay. and um and stuff like that. Hmm. But yeah, through the like it's never it's never Explain why he's a bug. Like, he's just, nope. he's a, he's a bug. Deal with it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Put and it on the book like jacket. He, he's a bug. Deal with it.
1: And he has, like, vague ideas of, like, oh, I just need to wait this out until I'm a person again. But eventually, you know, even that, he stops, he stops thinking about it. He's just a bug, like, living in this room.
0: How does he feel about it? I know, probably not good, but, like, what is the, speci- how is it specifically kind of talked about? if that is a thing or what sense do you get? I suppose
1: you just kind of get the, you get the idea through things that he thinks and things that other people say that ultimately he would be happier if he was out in nature, like being a bug. Okay. But, um, he kind of is bound by obligation to his family and he feels like at least for a long time, you know, what if I I just need to change back and everything will be fine yeah. or like, I just need to communicate and everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. But most of the book is just like him, him in his room kind of hiding, kind of trying not to let other people see how gross he is and just kind of being ashamed of his situation. Yeah. It seems genuinely. very
0: private. Yeah. It's interesting because I'm, I'm actually, as we're recording this, which is a little ways before people will hear it, um, I'm working on on a project right now where people are, their sadness and their grief is unrelatable to the people that they meet, like, and they have problems communicating it, and it does kind of take that absurdist leap where people become inanimate objects, which is this ultimately unrelatable thing. And I'm just wondering, like there's, it, it's ringing similar for me in terms of this idea that like, it's not about how or why, it's just, what if this happened to someone? Yeah. Could we communicate with them and the society around them does not appear to be, uh, I don't know, able to accommodate such an, such a great shift in a person?
1: Yeah, and I feel like if you if you started with this same story with like modern sensibilities or like conventional sensibilities, like yeah. the story would be about you know he finds somebody who can understand him, or like the story is about even if it's not about why he became a bug, it's about trying to make him better. Mm-hmm. And the and this story is very much about you know, this is the way it is and here's how people are kind of reacting to it. Yeah. Well and, and there's not there's not like there's not a ton of effort on the family's part to kind of understand because they feel alienated, you know, by him.
0: Well, and, and it sounds like Kafka's done a really good job of giving us if not reasons that make us feel good, but at least reasons why they're not reaching out to him. Like he becomes his transformation becomes a burden. That prevents them from surviving Mm -hmm. um, in the way that they have to because of, you know, they need to have someone who can earn money so that they can live in their house, you know.
1: Well, and his sister is like, you know, around 18, like just becoming an adult. and, And she wants to, you know, she wants to move on with her life. Okay. We have to try and get rid of it, said Gregor's sister, now speaking only to her father as her mother was too occupied with coughing to listen. It'll be the death of both of you. I can see it coming. We can't all work as hard as we have to and then come home to be tortured like this. We can't endure it. I can't endure it anymore. And she broke out so heavily in tears that they flowed down the face of her mother and she wiped them away with mechanical hand movements. And at that point, they talk a little more, but um, yeah, but Gregor had, had no intention of frightening anyone, least of all his sister. And then he, very slowly and painfully, because he's been injured and his you know situation has been deteriorating for a while. He crawls off into his room and
0: he dies. Hmm. It's it's funny because it sounds like there's two there are two things at play and they're and they're more related, I think, than I realized. It reminds me of like there's a couple Chekhov plays, um, specifically Uncle Vanya and, and one or two others, where there's like an elderly character that has to be cared for, but we're entering the 20th century and people need to work a lot harder just to survive on their own. Mm-hmm. And there's this sense that, like, well, we can't take care of this person. They are, you know, obstructing our own existence in ways that are that is new. Like, it's not, that didn't used to be how it went. Or at least it was a different priority. Um, and the fact that this was written at the beginning of the 20th century and, like, you know, just after the Industrial Revolution and stuff like that. It seems relevant.
1: Well, like you, and you, and you even have that not just in literature, but in life now, like, like with medicine being able to keep people alive for Mm -hmm. such a long time, like often past when their mental faculties are still around. And I've, I've read, I don't remember if it was the Atlantic or the New York Times, but a while back, there was a really big article about some. Older children, like 50 ish, who are living with, you know, their mother who had Alzheimer's, I think, and like couldn't understand them and couldn't communicate with them and just kept living and living. And like the burden of, like the financial burden and the emotional burden of having to live with that, you know, feeling burdened, but also feeling bound by, you know, societal ties and like familial ties do you you know what i mean yeah
0: no i know exactly what you mean And i think that's a that's a thing that is cropping up a lot right now i think you're right to point out that it's because it's happening in society i think i've seen it a lot in recent you know short films or whatever
1: yeah Um, i mean it comes up politically and stuff too when they talk about things like end of life planning and 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 things like that but um well, you know, yeah. often often you just you you get you you kinda you feel obligated to take care of this person because they're your you know that you're they're your relative, but it's like the burden of doing so is often so great that it keeps people from living their own lives.
0: Yes, yes. And I I think, you know, we'll get to Kafka esque in a in a few moments, I think, <laughs> um, because where his writing falls in terms of the chronology of the 20th century like it predates work by Camus and ionesco and sartre and a couple decades before stuff like beckett but it there's a similarity there in terms of the world just kind of happens to you and then it's how you how you either are or are unable to relate to other people within that context yeah, um, and how you are going to continue to survive, regardless or not.
1: Well, and, then, and going further into what Kafkaesque means, because I don't know, we we came from a liberal arts undergrad school where, where anybody who'd had philosophy one hundred and one felt like they could throw around Kafkaesque to sound smart. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I I don't really like the word, but it's it's really it's interesting because part of the part of like the meaning is the stuff is happening isn't happening to you for any particular reason like it's not like Gregor doesn't turn into a bug because he was a bad person or because he was doing anything particularly Mm -hmm. wrong or particularly well like it's not a it's not um, a situation where he's a bug because he was bad and if only he could figure out you know beauty and the beast style what you know the lesson that he needs to learn to turn back into a real boy yeah it's not a curse like, yeah it's just kind of it's happening and it's illogical and it doesn't and it's senseless but it's it's like it's happening and and now you need to deal with it
0: um yeah the merriam-webster definition of kafka-esque um the first one is that it relates to franz kafka or his writings which is probably right. a good way to use that word sure um <laughs> and the more frustrating way to use that word is having a nightmarishly complex, bizarre, or illogical quality. Um, and I think it's that illogicalness, which is usually the one that keys people in to it being Kafkaesque. You, lo- you look at something like uh, Eraserhead, the film by David Lynch, and it's this kind of nightmare dream thing where a guy you know has a baby but the baby's actually this creepy monster and it's not like anybody it's not like he's part monster or anything that's not the point it's just like that is how he feels about the baby so that's what the baby is it's mm-hmm. just the world around him is not literal but it is no less true you know uh, but
1: even in even in something that's kafkaesque like you don't have that cause and effect yeah thing like like even even something as simple as like him believing the baby to be something and then it is that something like even that link doesn't exist in the metamorphosis and i and i think in a lot of other kafka work like i haven't i haven't gotten into it but i have read about it Mm -hmm. and um some of his most defining stuff like he was a lawyer i think his, his day job was and so a lot of his most defining work is about the illogic and the senselessness of like the legal system and all the you know all the pitfalls in there
0: and capitalism as well. This idea that you have to go and you have to earn a wage doing something and that you are bound to do that task even if it's you know alienating and dehumanizing and um... yeah
1: and you and you get that in the job that he's doing before he turns into a bug. Like he's doing it for the money. Yeah. But he you know he does he doesn't love it. He wouldn't be he wouldn't be doing it if he didn't need to provide for his family or if his father weren't in so much debt.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, going back to that whole notion of illogical events, those are the things that in real life are the hardest to grapple with. Right. Like a sense, like you hear when in the news or the news story, whatever you hear, like senseless tragedy and, or something like that, or, someone suffers from an illness or depression which should be treated like a mental illness and there's no there's less cause and effect than people want and you have this generation of storytellers you know with Kafka towards the beginning of it expressing the telling stories with the knowledge that cause and effect does not always exist
1: but yeah people people want there to be a grand plan people want every every action to have a reaction and every effect to have a cause. And I mean, I think that's, you know, some people kind of fill that gap in with religion. I think, I mean, it, that's religion's probably something we're going to talk about. I was, kind of in, we're probably going <laughs> to dance around it a lot on this show. I think.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: But yeah, like when, when you have something like this, that doesn't, that, you know, that doesn't have a clear reason why it's happening. Some people kind of find it comforting to just say, oh, God did that and God knows why he did that. And you just kind of have to deal with
0: it. Yeah, I think there's something, especially with regard to storytelling, like people tell stories for at least going back, you know, if you want to go back far enough, it's to have that cause and effect, to have something happen in the world. You can tack an explanation on it that you can then use once you have gained that knowledge, you know in the next chapter of your life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then when that doesn't work out, life is at its worst, or at least it feels like it's at its worst, because you can't wrap your mind around something. Um, but for me, it's it's funny, because as you were recounting the story of, of Gregor Samsa, everyone's reactions to him feel pretty logical. So it's interesting that that word gets used, because it's more just that... There isn't a direct reason why, like, he turns into a bug or something like that. But I totally understand, not that I'm happy about it for his sake, but I totally understand why his family reacts the way they do. Like, they follow, there's a difference between, for me, truthful behavior and logical behavior, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Uh, yeah,
1: like, its it's not that... His family's reaction to it is totally understandable, and there is some... You know, there's an undercurrent through the story where they're not even a hundred percent sure if it is Gregor. Like, yeah. even even if even if in in body he is Gregor, like because they can't communicate, there is doubt as to whether it's Gregor in you know in mind. Mm-hmm. So, um
0: well, and that goes back to what you were saying earlier about end of life scenarios, actually, um, mm-hmm. or people who end up in vegetative states or something like that, where you have that. Well, if I can't communicate with them, how do I know it's them? Right. Or how do I know that what I'm doing to them or for them is morally right or wrong if I can't get feedback on that? Right. Um, and then so, you, yeah.
1: But yeah, yeah, like just just what happens to the the catalyst for the story, what happens to Gregor does not make sense. Everything that follows, I think is a pretty, you know, his family has human reactions to it and it's very it, it does make a lot of logical sense in in that way but the the trigger event that makes all the stuff happen is the is the thing that doesn't make any doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah, it's interesting having, you know, two weeks ago we were talking about the Da Vinci Code and how parts of it feel extremely convenient and that can that also is a critique I think that gets levied at a lot of stories because we We have this need for there to be a real clear cause and effect and a real clear, oh, this is, this is why there's a smoke monster on the island kind of thing, you know. (laughs) But then whenever we get those answers, a lot of times we're disappointed or we feel like, oh, that was a. You really shoehorned that explanation in, or you know, it's very convenient that all these characters know each other from this other time or whatever. Yeah, um, like a
1: lot of the times these explanations are boring and they yeah. suck. Like imagine any zombie movie where they spend a lot of time on why everybody is zombie. <laughs> it's yeah. Like who cares? That's not the that's not the point. Like maybe you're a little annoyed that you know it doesn't it doesn't directly make sense, but it would be even worse if they explained it, and the explanation was stupid
0: <laughs> yeah, it's that kind of thing where especially I would imagine reading a book like this there's a difference I'm growing a greater appreciation for the difference between when you're reading a story or when you're in the middle of watching a movie and the debriefing you go through afterwards in your brain mm-hmm. where you try to explain everything or you try to have it make sense and it doesn't hold up as well as it does when you were just actually taking in the story. Yeah. Like a- I
1: think, I think looper is like that. Yeah. That was probably the the best recent example I can think of is when you're, when you're in it, it's, it's fine. And it's, you know, you can kind of gloss over the, the jumps in logic and stuff. But when you get out, it's like how none, not a single <laughs> minute of this movie should have worked. Like,
0: <laughs> Well, and you know, not to, to try not to get too far away from Kafka, but it's that sense of like, I imagine while reading it, once you if you just buy into the fact that the dude turned into a bug, you can then open yourself emotionally to what is happening in the story and how people are treating him and all sorts of other connections that you and I have just kind of come up with in the past few minutes of things it reminds us of and things that it makes us feel that... If you come out of it and go, well, why didn't they ever tell me why it turned into a bug? Like <laughs> and just throw the book across the room, like that would be stupid. That's not the yeah, point.
1: I, mean, I think Kafka I mean Kafka's structure really, really plays into that well because it never he never invites, you know, why is why is Gregor a bug? It just the opening sentence is Gregor Samza turned into a bug.
0: <laughs> That's
1: great. And when you and when you come away from the story, you're not thinking why did he turn into a bug? <laughs> but man, it sure sucks that that guy was a bug. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. And it doesn't—you don't need that explanation for for the book to carry weight. I yeah. think, or the mm-hmm. story to carry weight. All right. Well, I think that kind of wraps up *Metamorphosis*.
1: Yeah, short story, short podcast. Short
0: story, short podcast. If you want to download some other podcasts or listen to them on our site, you can do that at OverduePodcast.com. You can use that site to follow our iTunes link or subscribe to our RSS feed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash OverduePod. Find us on Facebook. Just search for Overdue. And if you have book recommendations, we've gotten one or two in over the past few weeks, which we greatly appreciate. You can email those to overduepod at gmail.com or use any of those social media services. That works, too. We do check those.
1: Yes, we check them a lot. And um, if you do subscribe to us in iTunes, we would really appreciate it if you could rate and or review us. Um, Even if it's a bad review, I guess we will try to internalize your criticism and learn from it. Well, or what, maybe we'll just ignore you and <laughs> call you out by name on on the air. I and, don't know, and but. just <laughs> wish
0: you crawled away like Gregor Samsa. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that iTunes reviews do is help uh, spread us to other people because that kind of is how their crazy weird algorithms work. So yes, that helps. You do want us audience. to show
1: up higher in the search
0: results, right? Yeah. Like, you want that for us. Yeah, yeah. You do. You, you do you want that for us. Another thing <laughs> you might want for us is you can support us with the Amazon links that are on our website that I talked about 30 seconds ago. Uh, instead of putting Google Ads or anything like that all over the page, uh, we've provided links to each of the books that we talk about. Uh, so if you listen to a, to a particular podcast and you haven't read that book or you want to reread it, you can use those links to do so. Or we also keep about two weeks ahead – in terms of what we're reading right now, so you can try and catch up with us and use this as some sort of audio book club, uh, which was (laughs) not necessarily our intention, but people seem interested in that idea, so we're... Yeah, people asked about it. We're going for it, it. yeah.
1: Yeah, so yeah, we have the the book link for the current episode, the next two episodes usually. I think we're burning through our buffer lately, but we're (laughs) trying to stay ahead of it. And then um, in the in the actual episode feed, we have books for past episodes too. So if you're going through the back catalog, you know, feel free to uh, to buy some books and uh, put some food on our tables. I guess. Sure. <laughs> books. I don't know. No apples, books. though. No, no apples because those hurt.
0: Those do hurt. Thank you very much for listening to Overdue, and we'll see you next week. Yeah.
1: Bye.